I mean, what does it matter if they're sitting and watching in the church service in their Sunday suit or sitting and watching at home in their underwear? They're still sitting and watching. They're not engaged. There's no accountability. There's no integration. There's some really enjoyable information, if I can put it that way. Until you build a culture within the church that provides for that, we're going to continue to develop a mile-wide ministry that's only about two inches deep. All right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe in the potential of teens. I believe that the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go, to go and share the gospel. I encourage you, subscribe to this podcast, rate it, review it, spread the word, because it's time for a revolution in youth ministry. Tell every teen everywhere, here's the gospel from a friend. Really excited about our guest today, R.J. Kerper. He's the Dean Emeritus of Global Actions International Faculty, previously served as President and Vice President of Curriculum and Development for Global Action. He spent 29 years as a faculty member and head of youth ministry, uh, at the youth ministry department at Colorado Christian University. And by the way, I trained under him at CCU. So if you don't like my youth ministry philosophy, blame RJ. Uh, now he's semi-retired. RJ en enjoys hanging out with his family, which includes his wife, uh, Ermi, his kids, and his five grandkids, as well as running and cycling. And RJ, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure, Greg. Good to be here. And I was an easy student, you would say, right? Just the uh, quiet. Oh, you were just very quiet. You just sat there dutifully taking notes. I never had an issue with you. I would, the only time I would call on you was to open or close in prayer because you were so godly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I remember the very first class I was in with you, some guy was going off on a turn or burn gospel. We're making it too easy. If you're not willing to go all in, you, you're not really saved. And I, my first words in your class, I turned to him and said, yeah, why don't we just take that part of scripture we don't like, like the book of Galatians and tear it out and we'll start our own mm. religion, you and me. And you're like, well, mm. uh, let's pray. <laughs> Remember right. that moment? That's right. Yeah, I, I do actually. I, I, I had some therapy to try and forget it, but it's still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had a lot of good times in there. I put the fun and yes, we did. I put the fun and fundamentalist. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah, you did. Hey, you did. so glad that you're here, RJ. I respect you so much, uh, not just as a CCU prof, but uh, you know, for literally decades after we started Dare to Share, you were the first one to see our curriculum, our conference, you know, themes and notebooks. I just remember, you know, sitting down with you and and running these thoughts by you because mm -hmm. um, I really wanted a balanced and biblical approach. And I've not really struggled much with the biblical approach, but I've struggled a lot of times with the balanced approach. And you really helped, um, I think, help shape Dare to Share. So I thank you for that. You're welcome. It was it was a joy to see. How God has been using Dare to Share through the not just the years but the decades in a in a profound way and continues to use them. Well, praise the Lord, and we're we're right in the you know midst of our Gospel Advancing Seven Values podcast series, and we come to one that's really important. It doesn't sound super exciting that if you have a Gospel Advancing ministry, biblical outcomes measure it. But it's really, really important to measure these biblical outcomes. So um, here's my question. When we talk about outcomes in ministry and measuring success, people are really asking how many people are coming and what events are you doing? 
based on the idea of biblical outcomes, what are some examples of things we should be measuring? And why are things like attendance uh, not the most important measurements? Yeah, I'm going to address that question in two parts. You know, the first goes back to, uh, you know, the fact that we are measuring uh, our effectiveness by how many people are coming. You know, we talk, we often talk in churches, sometimes tongue in cheek about the three B's, you know, the bodies, buildings and bucks. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to absolutely throw those out because, you know, they're legitimate. Uh, they're, they're legitimate outcomes uh, because they're easy to, easier to measure. Uh, but if that's all that we're measuring, we're, we're coming up far short of what I believe to be uh, our biblical outcomes. Um, Paul said this in uh, Colossians 1.28, that he admonishes and encourages and teaches all people to present every person complete in Christ. And I don't know of a better outcome than that from a biblical perspective that uh, God is calling us uh, as youth ministers to be part of the process of, uh, of making disciples who then in turn go out and make disciples. Uh, this has always been the Jesus way. So, you know, what we should be measuring is how effective we are in reaching people for Christ and how effective are we in making disciples for Christ who are in turn making disciples. It sounds, you know, relatively simple, and at one level it is. Jesus showed us the way with the Twelve. Uh, I think of Robert Coleman's classic book, uh, you know, The Master Plan of Evangelism, where he outlines the stages. And since then, there have been a number of, you know, takeoffs on that, but it basically comes back to that. Are we making disciples? And, and evangelism is a, is a key part of that process, Uh getting kids to share their faith. And you and I have had this conversation for years about what's our role as youth workers uh, with our teenagers. Do we have them come to the large group meeting uh, and, and then we preach the gospel or are we equipping our teenagers to share their faith with their friends? I love that, RJ. And, and it's interesting. Colossians 1, 28, 29 is my favorite a passage of scripture. I, I love that passage really? of scripture. It, when I was 12 years old at my little fundamentalist, independent fundamentalist Christian school, I preached my very first sermon on Colossians 1, 28 and 29. No kidding. And I've used that as an example of, you know, our vision at Dare to Share is every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. So, you know, we proclaim him admonishing everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. I've never really thought mm -hmm. about it in the terms of biblical outcomes, but you have both quantitative and qualitative. He wanted everyone, right? That's the, the yep. uh, you know, quantitative, qualitative. He wanted a mature, growing, you know, yep. fully discipled. Fully discipled. Yeah, that's great. Which, just by nature of the of the you know the concept, is not just a disciple who sits, but a disciple who goes out and makes other disciples in connection with what Jesus' final commandment to the disciples in Matthew 28. Amen. It's an activated discipleship. If we measure so, the things, here's another question. If we think measure the things that truly matter, how does that impact our approach to ministry and the things we prioritize? 
Well, it's going to affect us both in two ways. One is uh, if we're, let me use this uh, word picture. We're using a different yardstick. We're using a different yardstick to measure the effectiveness of our ministry. Because of that, now we're starting to ask different questions. Instead of just asking, well, how many kids came to uh, our youth group event the other night? We will start, if we're measuring the effectiveness of our youth group along the discipleship continuum, then we're starting to ask questions like, um, how well uh, uh, are our kids, uh, you know, modeling Christianity to the to their friends who are coming to the event? How clearly are we presenting the gospel? Uh, how are we using that event as a springboard to help our teens to share Christ with their friends? The whole line of questions now begins to shift, and it's not easy because now we're asking some really hard questions that are going to require some constantly coming back to our biblical priorities. What is our biblical priority? Is it building bucks and bodies or is it discipleship and the whole process that includes evangelism? That, you know, when, when you first sent me, you know, at, at first glance, you know, you look at the term biblical outcomes and that sounds like you better offer warnings not to drive or, or operate heavy machinery, but in my opinion, Greg, this is probably one of the most important things that you can ever di discern and determine as, as it, not a, just as a youth pastor, but as a pastor. And, you know, I used to, and if you perhaps recall that we, you know, when we talked in Foundations of Youth Ministry so long ago, that I would tell you guys as students at the front end, you better be in agreement with the philosophy of ministry of your senior pastor, or you're not going to last long. Yeah. And if it's if these outcomes in the church are not biblical, then you better be looking for another job. Well, sometimes if they are biblical, you may have to look for another job because if you're making and multiplying disciples and bringing in those students that don't look like typical church kids, but you know they 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 represent sometimes to the older in the church the dangerous kids for whatever reason, mm -hmm. then that could get you fired too. But it's absolutely so important to really try to get aligned with your lead pastor. You know, uh, Debbie Brasena, who's our president at Dare to Share, she was teaching a session on biblical outcomes at our Gospel Advancing Summit. And someone asked, how would you define biblical outcome? She goes, well, a biblical outcome is what comes out of your youth ministry. Uh, you know, that mm -hmm. senior, when they graduate, what do you want them to look like? You know, what yep. do you want to come out of your youth ministry and identifying that, defining that, and then kind of tracking it back to what do we need to do to get there? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that's moving back, thinking back, but then moving forward, that is absolutely critical, as you know, because how many of our youth groupers we lose upon graduation that don't, may never come back yeah. or a small percentage come back because we haven't effectively equipped them to go to their universities, to go into the world, uh, who are grounded biblically uh, to continue on in their in their discipleship journey. So to me, you know, to me, that's absolutely that issue alone is hugely important. You know, and I think it's real. That's again, a, you know, score a point for evangelism. Um, when students are articulating their faith, what I tell people is, by the time I was fifteen years old. I had already had a thousand gospel conversations 
where the arguments of the philosophy 101 prof at the typical liberal university um, you know, would have dismantled me as a freshman in college. Uh, I had those conversations as a teenager uh, because our youth leaders mm. put us in positions to have those conversations. But we also yep. had the safety net of going back to our youth leaders and saying, okay, we got to ask this question. How do we, how do we answer that? And we're able to unpack that. So by the time I graduated, and I wasn't the exceptional kid, it was the youth ministry philosophy that all of us would have these conversations. And you you formed your belief system in the midst of those kinds of conversations so that when you left, you were ready. Yep. Yep. So as we talk about this, RJ, when we talk about really making sure our the biblical outcomes that we've identified match kind of our senior pastor and leadership team. So we're walking in mm -hmm. alignment. How would you recommend youth leaders approach their senior pastor about wanting to change what is evaluated or measured in their ministry? Because I've seen this, especially post COVID, uh, you know, kids aren't coming back like they were generally speaking. And so how do you, you know, nor are adults and nor, nor are adults. adults. You bet. But oftentimes, you know, it's not the youth leader that's evaluating the senior pastor. It's the senior pastor that's evaluating the youth leader. Mm -hmm. How could they approach them effectively to really talk about, hey, let's start measuring the right things? Well, uh, you know, th that sounds, and it is negative because we aren't getting a return like we did. But on the other, let's flip that around. That's also probably very positive because if we've lost a lot of people because of COVID, and I think, you know, COVID was a prompt for that. But, you know, when people started looking, you know, looking at their services online, oh my gosh, that's, uh, let's, let's just, it's real easy to do that. So I'll just, you know, hang out in my uh, living room and I'll watch this service and then that's good. But again, that's kind of typical of the culture that we live in and how we set up the programs in our church. And I don't want to overgeneralize here, but, you know, this is an opportunity for us now to take a good hard look at what our biblical outcomes are and how, and, and as importantly, how are we reaching those outcomes? Is it with uh, the the big service? Are we? What are what are we doing? You know, it, it, to just to just to interrupt real quick because I think it's brilliant. I mean, what does it matter if they're sitting and watching in the church service in their Sunday suit? or sitting and watching at home in their underwear, they're still sitting and watching. They're not exactly. engaged. That's, that's exactly right. There's no accountability. There's no integration. There's some really uh, enjoyable information, if I can put it that way. But there's not the integration and there's not the, uh, as, there's not the accountability. And that's where, until you build a culture within the church, that provides for that, it's just going to go on being the same. It, it's going to be, and again, we're going to continue to develop a mile wide ministry that's only about two inches deep. So I think the opportunity specifically for youth leaders, because the other thing has been, you know, in the eighties, when I was in youth group, I mean, it, you know, you, you had Wednesday night free. Now so many students are in sports, there's post-school, there's, yep. so the question is, how do we, you know, maybe a biblical measurement is how do we activate them on campus? How do we activate them as missionaries on their sports team? 
How do we engage mm-hmm. them where they're at, which can tie in with digital discipleship, which can tie in to, hey, get a, you know, get a Bible study going with your your teammates or, you know, in your drama team or whatever. And here's the tools and resources or, you know, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, because you're and this is what I, you know, love about scripture is that, you know, the the New Testament has given us the biblical outcomes, but has not given us the one, two, three, four, five, because every culture is different and every time period is different. And that's as unique and creative as the Holy Spirit is. But as long as our outcomes remain the same, the methodology is going to shift. Well, and, you, and it's going to even shift within the, you know, within the same culture uh, as time goes by. Yeah, and we've seen it. Social like it's, it's, I think one of the challenges, youth leaders tend to do youth ministries like we're still in the 80s. Right. And we're not. It's a whole different, you know, culture now than it was, you know, 40 years ago. So because of that, if we, if we can build and build a culture and and that's super important, you know, I want to come back to the issue with the senior pastor. And this is a perfect opportunity for the youth pastor to approach the senior pastor uh, who are, are perhaps struggling as a church with attendance, with, uh, with finances, with post-COVID ministry to, to review, relook at, at what our biblical priorities are. What are our primary values as a church? You know, call them outcomes, call them values, but what hills are we dying on as a church? And then, and then if we need to, let's reinvent the wheel. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's as creative and as exciting as in, as the, the church, you know, what might happen in Oklahoma city is going to be different than what happens in Billings, Montana. And I love the let's, fact let's, that let's, what we know, we know what we're going for. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, yep. you know, they're growing and they're going. And then we just kind of track it back and adjust our strategies to Always. Get as many as possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you talk about evaluation, even within, you know, my current field, which is education, people get really nervous about evaluation. Well, that means you're going to be critical of something I'm doing. Uh, too bad. Get over it. Because, you know, if we're if we're going to be in ministry, we have got to have thick skin at, at, at so many levels. Yeah. We've got to have thick skin. And again, it's not about us. Yeah. If if I'm not if I'm doing something that needs to change or an area that I need to grow in, praise God. That's an opportunity for uh, for me to die to myself and listen to somebody else who has a better idea. You know, and I think also when it comes to you know your lead pastor as well as your biblical outcomes, I, I remember there was a one youth leader named Peter, and I've been trying to get him out to our full week training event, lead the cause because it's a intensive and how to build a gospel advancing, youth ministry culture, student leadership training, kind of next level. Uh, We do it every summer. And finally he came out. And within like the second day, he was like, I have to stop everything I'm doing in youth ministry. I have to recreate everything. I go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's crawl, walk, run this thing out. You need alignment Mm -hmm. with your pastor. You need some coaching. So I connected him with Mr. Bill, Bill Freund, another student of yours. And Mr. Bill coached him. And over the course of a couple months, he was able to implement a lot of the changes because he had a different, he got a different view of what might want my biblical outcome, what what I want my students to look like. And, and he began to trace that back and got alignment with the lead pastor um, in the whole process. And it was way more effective than just, you know, stopping everything you're doing and starting again. 
Absolutely. And I, and I this probably is not a direct in direct relation to what we're talking about, but I think indirectly, I think it's just as important. And that's um, talk to your parents. I mean, this to me, what do parents want their teen to look like when they graduate yeah. from high school? What are the five values, moms and dads, that you're trying to teach your kids? And again, when you when the youth pastor aligns with the parents yeah. and the parents capture this vision, especially in the culture, social media culture that we live in, it's going to take every one of us, you know, to continue to challenge our kids uh, to live to live a biblically sound. Yeah, and I think part of that, I fully agree with that. I think part of that is really making a case to your parents and your pastors of the importance of evangelism in the discipleship formation process. I just don't think that's talked about. It's viewed as an, you know, that's something that happens with some kids or maybe later down the road. But when evangelism is put like, hey, you know, one of these five things needs to be activated evangelism and here's why. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And. You know, there's so many reasons behind that, you know, uh, from a personal perspective as to the, the value of that, because you, you can't share what you don't have yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it, it exposes the level of maturity in kids and their level of involvement and in how the gospel has changed their life. Yeah, that's right. It makes it very personal. What specific yeah. methods have you used to make sure you keep the right things in front of the people you lead and remind them of what's most important to measure? Well, I, you know, I think, and I, and, and Greg, you guys do this really well. You've got to create a common language so that, you know, when we talk about, when we use a term, everybody knows what it is. And, and that way, you know, you've, you've got a culture that's, that's already built in. So whenever you're using the the same language, it, it, it kind of automatically brings you back to what your vision is, what your values are. Uh, So that's one piece. Uh, I think you've got to have you have to build evaluation consistently into your ministry. And that means that we're always holding up the right yardstick when we get together. You know, how well did we do with dot, dot, dot? Yeah. And always have probably some of the same simple questions, you know, and as uh, redundant as that sounds, it's absolutely crucial because the, here's, the, here's the deal, is it's real easy to have what I call vision drift. You know, you just kind of kind of get away from the from what's most important, and uh, um, because sometimes you know the culture like COVID that's n- now we're we're no it's it's something else now. So we you know with vision drift or with vision expansion that's the other danger is that now now we're adding all these things. Well, these are good things, but they're not great things. So let's. Let's build in the kind of evaluation tools that will help us always keep it before us so that your staff knows, you know, your, your, your kids know that, you know, this is, this is what we're, this is how we're measuring success. You know, I remember when I was a, a youth leader, it was a kind of a part-time hundred dollars a month. I'll never forget that because they threatened to fire me at times. I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose my hundred dollar a month job. <laughs> really, please, no. Um, but uh, at Community Baptist Church, and uh, I remember we we added something in. It was a Friday night outreach. And of course, it was an acrostic. Big risk, which I'm still proud of. Believers in God reaching into Satan's kingdom. I don't know. 
it's sad to me that acrostics make me so happy. But we went out every Friday night and we we reached, you know, went to the mall. That one edition of taking a group of students out infused so much life and so many stories into Sunday morning Sunday school, into our Wednesday night youth group meetings, because it created this spiritual momentum. And it created a little yep. bit of spiritual FOMO because the students who weren't part of it felt like they were missing out. And it yep. actually yep. ended up being one of those things we had to do now because yeah. it really yeah. produced that excitement. Mm -hmm. you like the name? Yeah, do you like the name Big Risk is my question. You know, I'm just going to let that sit, <laughs> Greg. I'm just going to have this kind of awkward moment here. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> And how many awkward moments have I shared with you through the years? Oh, that's so right. Is, so many. This is, all part this of is one of many. <laughs> one, one last question I have for you. And, you know, for the youth leader who's trying to implement this concept of measuring biblical outcomes, where would they even start? Yeah, that's uh, and I hesitate because, you know, you can, you can jump into the deep end of the pool and meet right 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 out of the gate with your senior pastor but I wouldn't do that I would start um, you know maybe even meeting with a like-minded youth worker youth pastor who shares your who shares that kind of same vision you guys you guys build this together you guys think through you guys do some reading on uh, on biblical outcomes um, you know again Coleman's books a classic there are a number of, oh, yeah. of disciple shift is another good book on that. And these are these these are tried and true methods, so that when you eventually can go to the senior pastor, you've got a strong biblical case for that. Uh, um, I, let me just again, let me insert this real quick, RJ, because I think that's really important. You know that one of the secret sauces at Dare to Share is we, you know, we don't just present a thought or idea; we try to wrap it around a biblical truth, and. Yep. You know, maybe even that Colossians 1, I should blog on that, Colossians 1, 28 and 29 on, you know, kind of becoming a basis, a skeletal framework for our biblical outcomes that we can begin with, you know? Yeah, and, you know, a couple of cautions here. Um, you know, d develop a, a solid biblical foundation for yourself is before you, but when you do speak to the senior leadership, be very humble. Yeah. Um, um, cause that'll, you know, let, and, and hide behind scripture. Say, can we, can we look at this together yeah. and ask a lot of questions when you're doing it so that, you know, maybe in the discovery process, you guys can hear that person can maybe go, yeah, I think these are some things we need to really think through. Um, That's so important. So, That's so important, RJ, because we've seen youth leaders over the years get, they read gospelized, they get all excited to go back and inform their lead pastor. We're doing everything wrong. We need to blow yeah. this thing up. And I'm like, oh man, don't, don't do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's talk about this. Let's, and, and I, what? my assumption is this, when I'm talking to a lead pastor or a youth pastor, that down deep inside, there's a gospel ember that may have cooled down a little bit, but if you can find it, sure. fan it and fuel it, then, yeah. then they're back in, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They get excited about that stuff, that conversation. Yeah. And if you can go in with a list of questions you yeah. know, that you guys can discuss together. The other piece is, is that change comes very slowly. 
And, uh, you know, it just, it takes, uh, it takes a while. I am currently part of a, a, what I call an evangelical Episcopalian church, which sounds almost contradictory, but they are solidly biblical, but, uh, the, the pastor, the lead pastor there is really trying hard. He and the executive pastor are trying really hard to, to build a vision for this very philosophy of ministry that we're talking about, but it is slow. Yeah. Especially when you've got a, a, a denominational tradition that is more liturgical than it is evangelical. Yeah. So that's not. A, I, I hope I'm not sounding critical, but that's you know that's been a that's an ongoing ch- challenge, and that's okay. Well, that's okay if you can get there. If you can get there and give you, it's going to take time. Yeah, I really think it's important. We remember, you know, Galatians six that in due time we'll reap if we don't give up. And I I really yeah. feel yeah. like. A lot of times youth leaders, you know, they need that tenacity and that perseverance. And we need to be praying and tearing down strongholds. You know, that Second Corinthians 10, yeah. tearing down strongholds was, you know, Paul was talking about some of the mindsets that were in the Corinthian believers that needed torn down to take captive yeah. every thought. And, you know, that takes, you know, that takes strategy. I know, uh, you know, I was in construction for eight years. You don't just tear something down because it can fall on you and kill you. You have to be careful how you do yep. that, and yep. um, it's good advice. Yeah, and one of the questions, and I, I did want to address it. I know our time is getting short, but I wanted to address uh, the question was presented in the email that was sent to me. How have your views of what is important mm-hmm. to measure change through the years? And it's got, and my response to that is that it it hasn't changed, and it, the reason it hasn't changed is because it's biblical. And you know, as long as you stay true to the word. Yeah. And the other, the other piece with that is that, you know, I've been in this long enough to know that, you know, a lot of my kids, a lot of the students that I ministered to are now in their 50s and 60s. One even turned 70 as a kid out of my college and career group. Wow. And to see them over the long haul um, and see how they're, I'm thinking of a kid who came to Christ uh, at my Bellevue Acres church. Uh, at uh, um, in Littleton, uh, right down the hill from Western Bible College, Bellevue Acres, remember that? And uh, he he came to Christ through our we we developed a Sun Life type approach to ministry, and he came to Christ, and he's now in his fifties, and he just came through a battle with uh, stage four cancer, mm-hmm. and yet he's walking with God, he's staying true to his faith, he's he, he's he's still walking the walk. Yeah. And, you know, bottom line, that's, it's, it's not how many we start with, it's how many we end with. And discipleship, relational discipleship is that, you know, that starts with, uh, and again, evangelism is woven through that whole process. Yeah. And you could see the sizzle of sometimes just a large group, have fun approach that's got no discipleship depth. It can't, I don't want to just dog that because I've seen large groups that actually have strong discipleship strategies along with it. When that happens, it's awesome. It's a sizzle and a steak. But if it's just, if it's just the sizzle and that can happen in a smaller group too, you know, it, it, you may get more kids in the short run, but in the long run, the disciples that have made disciples that have made disciples, that N number of impact is, I believe what God's counting, not, not just how many show up on your Wednesday night. Yep. Agreed. And that again comes back to what yardstick are we using to measure our ministry, our ministry effectiveness? The words of the great theologian Kenny Rogers. 
there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Amen. Uh, I just had a flashback. Thank you for sharing that, Greg. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to bring in uh, our youth leader expert, Carrie Evans. Carrie was a full-time youth leader for 13 years, family ministry director for two. She also served as a leader, youth volunteer, has been involved with churches of various denominations and sizes. She's currently serving as Dare to Share's content coordinator in the ministry advancement division, where she gets a fulfiller passion for encouraging and helping youth leaders. We love having Carrie as part of the team here at Dare to Share. Uh, Carrie and her husband, Harley, have been married for nearly 25 years and have identical twin daughters. Wow. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Carrie, welcome to the podcast. And I'll, I'll turn it over to you to talk to RJ and ask questions or make comments. Okay. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Great stuff. I just wanted to say I really love the conversation. And one of the things that you said, RJ, that I really love that was uh, just a small part, but was just being open to evaluation and humility. And I think one of the roadblocks to this particular value is fear. Honestly, I think <clears> that <throat> there's a lot of youth leaders that are scared, quite honestly, that maybe they're not that effective. And so to uh, kind of, I'm just wondering what you would say to them if they're, you know, struggling with, do I really want to put, you know, statistics, so to speak, out there uh, to measure, because maybe they're not going to look so great or make me look so great, you know, and it, there is this piece of the Holy Spirit is at work, right? And so we all know that, but how, what would you say to maybe a youth leader who was just fearful of that evaluation piece that you mentioned? Uh, that's a that's a great observation, Carrie. And I'll, let me put my therapist hat on for a second. What I would do with that youth work is I say, bottom line, uh, youth pastor, what are you afraid of? Mm. Because for some, it's job security. For some, it's criticism. For some, it's rejection from their kids. I mean, there's a bazillion. So I would, I would pursue that with them uh, first to find out what's you know what's going on. Um, mm -hmm. But if we can identify some of that, you know, ultimately. Um, Fear is something that's not going to go away on its own. You have to lean into it. And so that's where, you know, your trust in God and saying, you know what, if, if, if we're going to do this the way God wants us to, then we're going to have to just lean into that fear and, and do it anyway. Oh, oh, well, you know, uh, lots of, lots of their youth pastors, who, some of them who are fear driven have a, str a strong ministry of grace, but not a ministry of truth. And, as ministers, as youth ministers, we need to be like Christ and be full of grace and truth, both. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's really so, good. Um, so, and, and he, he or she doesn't have to start in the deep end of the pool. You know, they can, you can start them in the shallow end of the pool. And, you know, again, just help them to rethink their, their biblical philosophy of ministry. And once you've got that aligned personally with what you know God wants you to do from his word, you've got the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit's got your back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I loved another thing that stood out to me in the conversation was it kind of ties in with this perfectly is just the idea of keeping it really simple, especially when you're starting. And there's this old engineering principle and it's acrostic, Greg, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. I don't know if you've yes. heard that, but it's an acrostic, <laughs> another acrostic for you. Although we probably don't want to, maybe we could come up with a better word than stupid. We probably don't want to 
call each other stupid, but it's a great principle, right? To keep things just super simple, especially as you're just diving into these values. I just want to encourage our youth leaders out there. Like for me, when I very first started implementing this in my youth ministry, I just started with literally just how many times are we praying for those who don't yet know Jesus by name specifically? Mm -hmm. And that's a, a pretty simple thing to measure and to kind of build into your programs. And so just want to encourage youth leaders to to not overthink it, just keep it simple. I think that was yeah. a really great theme you you shared all throughout. Yeah. <clears throat> Did you want well, to? Well, I'm simple, and I have to. And my my bent is to overanalyze, you know, especially as a therapist. I'm a, I'm going too, way too deep in the weeds. And once you're deep in the weeds, it's hard to measure anything. Yeah. Because it, it's so convoluted at that point. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed too that there's a, such a great connection between kind of what are your goals or what we call our bold vision right and so and you have to be able to measure things to know whether or not you're moving in the right direction towards those things and so i was really struck by that and just um how sometimes i think in ministry both youth ministry and really any ministry there's this conversation about qualitative things and quantitative things and you know can we really measure the work of the holy spirit if you will and is that biblical or not and just i think there's some some debate about that and you know as as far as people coming to christ you know obviously we don't control that but we play a part in sharing the good news of course and so what would you say to someone that's just kind of wrestling with that a little bit like this whole you know what can we really measure and is it you know how do we go about that when there's qualitative things, quantitative things, and all of that? Yeah, I, you know, I, my initial response to that is I think sometimes people use that as an excuse not to evaluate. Well, we don't evaluate here. We just let the Holy Spirit lead. Well, I will send you back to the book of Nehemiah. You know, they, they, he, he evaluated. Um, yeah, it's true. But, uh, you know, again, I think we have to be careful of, I think there are some things we can evaluate, like um, uh, time spent in scripture, for example. And, and again, there's, there's always that balance between are, are we being religious or are we being, you know, what's the, what's the fine line there? And sometimes there is a fine line there. But uh, I think, uh, and that's, and these are issues you're always going to have to be, you know, uh, revisiting. You know, I was going to jump in real quick. My quick response is there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with my point, but it's just kind of cool. No, my, uh, my wife last night retired. She had a retirement program for 29 and a half years wow. at the same school, Campbell Elementary. She told me, she said, Greg, we do uh, objective analysis of where kids are at with English and math and all these subjects. We also do a subjective analysis. That subjective analysis is attitudinal and it's more how they approach their work. And both, we have to bring those both together. And I think things like reading your Bible, sharing the gospel, because you can have a kid that reads their Bible, shares the gospel, is involved in ministry, but is a jerk. Right. 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 And I think yep. being that objective and subjective kind of coming together that, hey, we're, you know, really strong on the disciplines, really weak on love. Well, in character. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think there's some metrics you can use to measure humility, for example, mm -hmm. or patience, for example, for sure, or kindness, for example. 
So, and I, I think it's important to visit those, not legalistically, yeah. but I think biblically. Um, and, uh, and I think, I think it's doable. I think as hard as that is, I think it's important. Yeah. That's great. For sure. Yeah. Some other things that I know we love to measure, um, from that were more quantitative in nature was just how many students were sharing their faith actively. And we had a time dedicated every week where we would just sort of invite anyone who had a story to to share about sharing the good news uh, with the whole group. And that was just a simple way, just another encouragement for our youth leaders. If you're struggling with how do I get started from a quantitative standpoint, I love what you just said, RJ, about qualitative, but from a quantitative standpoint, that's a a really simple way to kind of like get a get a pulse on and or even take you know sometimes we would have somebody literally take down you know the information as it was being shared so that we could kind of highlight that celebrate that you know at the end of a couple months or whatever say hey collectively we've shared the gospel you know whatever it is 100 times and you know have a big party about that or something and it's a joy i think sometimes with this this particular value it can bring up like i said fear and nervousness but it's really a joy to see and a, you know all that God is doing in your midst, and so just want to encourage uh, those out there to to really look at it a little differently. Maybe I don't know if you you probably experienced that as well, RJ. Just the joy of of seeing some of those biblical measurements, just in what God was doing. Yeah, and I think, and I I used to teach this, and I again I think it's uh, I think it's still important. The difference between terminal thinking in ministry and relational thinking in ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we're thinking relationally, you know, time in scripture, time in prayer, you can either think terminally about that. That's a box to check. Uh, we can think of evangelism as a box to check. Or is this about relationship? Is this about being sensitive to the needs of your students at school and knowing how to address those needs with the gospel? That's a relational approach to ministry. And Greg, you and I have had many conversations through the years about that. Yeah, and I, I I fully agree, and I think uh, you know one of the things is we're kind of talking about just in general biblical outcomes. One of the you know the original biblical outcome when it comes to growth was always baptism. You know, right. baptism you right. know was a, a measurement of that, and I think baptism is not just because kids came to Christ as a result of you know they were born and raised in a church. That's obviously important. Uh, but also sure. ones that kind of come from outside uh, as well. Um, and then new conversion growth, like what percentage of my group came to Christ from students engaging their friends with the gospel, with the gospel mm-hmm. invitation to the youth group and then follow-up conversation, or maybe they had a conversation at school. All these things are good for us to wrestle with. Yeah, let me expand that, Greg. How much of church membership, for example, is is because people have just switched churches rather than they're there at the church because an adult has reached them for Christ and they're now coming to the church. Yeah. So these are, yeah. Yeah, and, that, that's, and that's a yeah. really a large reason for a lot of church growth and youth group growth is, you know, they're just coming to a different, as opposed to us going out and really engaging the lost, finding that one lost sheep and bringing them in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lot of churches get excited about that, which is kind of sad. You know what I mean? The fact that they've taken 
you know, believers from another church. And it's like, wait, wait, let's get perspective. And I think it comes back to what you said right at the beginning, RJ, just how effective are we truly in reaching people and discipling people? It's as simple as that, right? And so it's just keeping our eye on that and remembering that, I think, throughout everything that we're doing. And I love that. Again, I just want to say, like, how closely that ties in with the bold vision that, that we're pursuing and how just linked those things are and how important it is to really kind of just really regularly, probably daily, if not weekly, uh, remind ourselves of what are we trying to really do here? You know, it reminds me Mm -hmm. of when um, Elijah was kind of hanging out in the cave and hiding and and, you know, God is like, what are you doing here? You know, I remember one time I heard Greg speak and he was sharing that passage and God just struck my heart. And it was it was this moment in my ministry. Where I thought, what am I doing? What am I really trying to do? You know, and so I just think that's just such a great question for us as ministry leaders to just always go back to and really pursue God's heart and and biblical things as we've been talking about. And what what is it that really God is is asking me to do in this ministry? And essentially, it's just that simple. Let's make disciples who make disciples, right? Amen. Yep. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, hey, uh, RJ, uh, Carrie, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. And Carrie, thank you for all your hard work as a youth leader and at Dare to Share. And uh, yes. RJ, thank you for the investment you've made in me personally and so many other youth leaders across the nation and around the world. And you continue to make that investment. So thank you. You're welcome, Greg. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Carrie, good to good to dialogue with you. You as well, RJ. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, youth leaders, thanks for tuning in. And remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing one.